Welcome to a deep, deep episode of On My Way to School. I am your host, Adam Peterson. Super excited to share this episode with y'all with my good friend, Scott Spezio. If you don't know Scott, he is a former Major League Baseball player, a slugger, two-time World Series champion, and we get into some pretty intense conversations about his highs and lows in life and his positive outlook regardless of what he's been through. I think you're all going to love this. Before we get to it, though, huge shout out to my sponsor, Sand Hill Coffee. If you head to sandhillcoffee.com, use the code SCHOOL10 at checkout, you will save on your order. Listen, this is the only coffee I drink at home. Uh, it is the best blends of coffee I've ever had in my life. Love grinding up their beans at home and roasting a pot every single morning. So check them out, sandhillcoffee.com. Promo code SCHOOL10, S-C-H-O-O-L-10, to save on your order. Go check them out. Let's get into it. All right, guys, I am here with former MLB superstar. Uh, I don't want to say former, though. You're, you're still a star. <laughs> uh, Scott Spezio, how's it going, man? It's going great, man. Good good talking to you this yeah, morning. Yeah, I'm super stoked about this. So uh, we first met when I was still teaching. Um, I know a lot of my listeners are teachers. Um, I, w- I taught all three of your kids. Uh, I remember you came for a, like a baseball celebration day at the end of the year, but um, it, it was one of those things I never really got to know you until recently. You you working yeah. with my kid? Yeah, yeah. It was it was great. Uh, all three of my kids loved you, and uh, I like you said I didn't get a chance to talk to you much. I at the time I was still probably in and out of Morris, you know, playing. Oh, yeah. um, but you know now it's been cool. You brought uh, Landon in and. Uh, it's been it's been a blessing to get to teach him what I've learned over the course of the years and uh, get to know you now. Yeah, so let let's get to to we're gonna get to that over the course of the years and how you got to where you are now. But um, for those that might not know, I, I don't know if all teachers are baseball fans, but take us through w- what you've done with your career, man. Oh boy, I know there's a lot. I know yeah. there's a lot. But, well, let's, let's 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 back even farther. So you played in the MLB, but but where did baseball start for you? Okay, yeah, so uh, uh, how long do you got? Uh, <laughs> so my, my dad, um, Ed Spezio, played in the major leagues for nine years. Um, he, he started um, with St. Louis in 1964 um, through 1968, then went to three World Series, one, two. Um, and then when the Padres had the expansion, uh, were one of the expansion teams in 69, he went to the Padres, uh, played there through... Uh, halfway through 72 and then uh in 72 half <clears throat> excuse me halfway through 72 he um uh, got traded to the white Sox. and what's crazy about that is my dad's from joliet and he had already um bought a furniture store and had a partner in morris where we're both at right and uh so he was he was having his brother and his partner run it and um he got traded to the Sox, so now all of a sudden he moves to Morris. He's got, uh, you know, one kid on the way, which was me, because I was born, I just had my birth, 50th oh, birthday. Yeah, yeah, yesterday, right? Yeah. Happy yeah. 50th, man. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, I was going to be born on September 21st of 72, so he had two kids, one on the way, and he'd come home and, and uh, he'd, he'd work in the mornings at the furniture store and then drive up, you know, on homestands, and get dressed and play the game and then come back and then work the next morning. And um, yeah. And then I was born and he was, uh, he turned on his birthday is on Halloween. So he turned 31 on Halloween that year. 
and decided that he wasn't making enough money doing that and it was too hard and so he just went full-time in the furniture store and um, just uh, when COVID hit is when he finally closed it. So the good thing with all that is I had an in-home major league teacher right. my whole life. So, so with him doing the furniture, sorry to interrupt you, but were yeah. salaries in baseball then not what they are today? Uh, you say he wasn't making enough. Yeah. So he told me that when he um, bought the furniture store basically and, re and retired, he had $2,500 to his name. After playing in the majors. After playing for nine years in the majors, three World Series, also playing in Venezuela numerous times and Dominican Republic. Wow. And, yeah. That's so interesting because you think about, like, I mean, you see salaries on TV and here on the radio yeah, and shows yeah. and, and, and what, they, what they are now, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I, I went to a uh, Cardinals uh, fantasy camp last year, and one guy, I don't know how he got, got him, but he had a bunch of contracts from the Cardinals from, like, 1967. Really? And my dad's contract was $8,500. For um, the season. For the season, and that was the year they went to the World Series. And he got a $1,500 bonus if he stayed up the whole year, um, wow. which he did. So he made ten grand. Which would be equivalent to probably somewhere around eighty thousand now. But okay. what people don't understand is like when you're you have to have a house. You know, most of the time you have a house in your hometown, uh -huh. or or you rent, and then you got to have a place. You know, especially if you have a family in spring training that you're paying for, and then you know right. in the regular season, uh, you got clubhouse dues that you're paying for. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you end up playing. Now, then they didn't have agents, but when you have agents, then you're paying another 5% to your agent. And Dang. if you've got a financial advisor, you're playing another, you know, one and a half to 2% for them. And so it just starts, and, and of course, Uncle Sam comes for you. Yep. We have to pay, <laughs> yeah, we have to pay taxes in every city and every state. So, um, because our, you've been paid to play there? Because, we, because wherever we play, so let's say you go to New York and play, you know, in the season six games, you have to play the equivalent of six games of your salary. It, you know, wow. So that's yeah, interesting. your your tax taxes are huge, so your your accountant also gets a big chunk. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, my dad. You know, he he went through it, and uh, you know there wasn't much there. And I I remember he was negotiating with the White Sox, and they kind of blackballed him. And Jay Johnstone was another guy on the team, and um, the Sox were. In, Th that year kind of saved the Sox from moving. They were going to move, but they ended up doing well when my dad came over. And uh, he came over when Bill Melton, their third baseman, went down, and he, he did really well for him. And they ended up, at the very end of the season, uh, bowing out to Oakland A's, who ended up winning the World Series. But that I think that year, you know, saved the Sox. But, you know, after, the, after all that, um, you know, my dad – we we just practiced all the time from the time I was three. Um, we hit, and I was just telling you, we lived here in Morris, and and uh, my dad would would um, you know go do the furniture store stuff, and then at five o'clock he'd come and pitch to me in the front yard with tennis balls until I started hitting the neighbors' houses across the street, and then we moved to the backyard, and there was an open kind of an open field back there where some of the neighborhood kids had made a baseball field. Okay, and. Uh, so and there, there was a little creek, you know, probably about 300 feet out, and so it was really hard for me to hit a tennis ball that far until I got older. Then every once in a while, if the wind was blowing, I could hit one. That was like the home run fence. Yeah, huh? yeah. <laughs> and so we had two pitching mounds in the backyard. Um, 
one was for close where he could throw really hard stuff to me, and then um, one was from a little bit deeper where he'd mix pitches, curveballs, change-ups. And we'd do that all the time. We had stations in the basement where, like, I'd, I'd hit off a tee, hit into a bag, hit on a, off a balance beam, um, you know, take ground balls, all sorts of stuff. And, and uh, so I would do that before he got home, and then I'd be ready for the hitting practice. You know, that would last for an hour. And then he'd, we'd pick him up, he'd go golfing, and I'd go play. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, sometimes I say I would do homework, but that didn't happen that often. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and on weekends we'd go to the, to the local fields and take ground balls at every position and, uh, hit hard balls and take fly balls and throw from the outfield. And All right. so that's, that's kind of how I got started. Now was this, so, so, and, and I don't know if you remember as a kid, was it you loving the game or was it you like seeing your dad as your hero wanting to be like him or a mixture of both yeah i would say both okay uh, both um but my dad also did push me i mean yeah. he basically said uh you're either going to be a valedictorian or you're going to be a, a major league baseball player you pick <laughs> and i said i i pick uh baseball <laughs> now my sister my oldest sister was valedictorian she she i don't think she, maybe she got one b in her whole life and she majored in genetics Really? Uh, yeah. And then my other sister was it was salutatorian or salutatorian or okay, whatever yeah. it is. Um, she was right up there with her and she ended up getting an architecture degree from University of Illinois. Um, so they took the other route. I took, took <laughs> I took the easy route. <laughs> <laughs> but it but, hasn't been easy, right? <laughs> no, I mean, that's the thing is like my dad said, if you're going to do it, like we're going to do it right. And so, you know, when other kids are out playing, you know, at the pools and stuff, I was I was hitting, and uh, I had a kid tell me, you know, a few years ago, you know, we always used to laugh at you when you were uh, hitting in the backyard. We were swimming, you know. <laughs> he goes, but then all of a sudden, we're we're watching you play on TV, on TV. and we're working, <laughs> you know, and you're playing a game. And so I was lucky enough to, you know, to work hard and then get there and then, you know, get to play a game as a living right so it was pretty cool but i know from living here in town that you 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 mean you obviously played through your whole student career and then yep. you went to u of i right yep and then yep. What was it 96 you got the call well, yeah yeah so i i played at morris here morris high school um we had a pretty good team we never went to state or anything we no? just couldn't get we couldn't get past i remember i sprained my ankle one year um, in the first game of the regionals, really uh, hit a double. The guy deked me at second base. I slid late, sprained my ankle, and was out. Dang. Um, and we lost. And then the next year, uh, same thing. Like I think I threw a ball away or something. And then we still had a a lead, and then we gave it up late or something. So both both years were kind of heartbreaking. We thought we were going to go a long way and didn't. Yeah. Um, soon after that, though, the the program did well. They had a Three years later, they had a second place finish in state, and then a few years after that, they got a, a first place in state. But um, so I went from there to the University of Illinois. Um, I had, I had, uh, was supposed to have Augie Garrido as my head coach, um, so I, I signed when he was still coach. He left before I got there. Really? Um, yeah, I was in Cuba playing with the USA Junior team. Like at the beginning of the year, so I missed the new coach coming in and all that stuff. And plus, here I am coming in as a freshman, um, you know, two weeks late to school, <laughs> and I was like, all this stuff was piled on me. It was it was tough, like that first year. 
Um, and then I kind of got the flow of it. I had three good years there. Um, still have the home run record there with 48 in three years. There's kids with five years now that have played they there. And they, it, huh? Yeah. The closest is 40 so okay. far. So, so hopefully, you're still holding on by quite a Hopefully I mean, it'll hold on. That's yeah. Good. If you get a, a four-year kid in there that's really hitting well, it might go. You okay. know? But so far it's, I've been holding on. Um, I have a good relationship with my – my uh, ex-coach, Itchy Jones, and, and uh, my assistant coach from the time, uh, Dan Hartlib, is now the, uh, the head coach down there. Mm-hmm. So I still talk to those guys quite a bit. And Adam Christ, who's his uh, assistant. Um, yeah, and then so after my junior year, I was my uh, finan- uh, finance major, although I didn't really get to take that many finance classes, <laughs> you know, because when you w- would have really started taking them in your senior year. Right. And uh, – so I think I took a few. Uh, I didn't really like it that much. <laughs> I liked like business law and oh, yeah? marketing much better. Um, so if I ever go back, maybe to finish, uh, maybe something like that. I don't know, or maybe broadcasting. So it was junior. You could do that. You, <laughs> yeah. you know enough about the game, right? You. Right. So your junior year, you were you part of the draft? Or yeah. How did it, okay. Yeah. So June June ninety three. Um, they had a draft. I was I was taken in the sixth round by the Oakland A's. Okay. I thought I was going to go higher than that. Um, As a I'm, student at that time, though, did you have to did you have to like commit that you wanted to go in, or they no. just called you out? No, no. In the in the major league draft, um, you're el- if as a four year student, you're eligible after the third year and okay. your fourth year. If you go to you know as a high school student, you're, you're obviously um, available to go. Um, after your high school career is over. So I had people calling me after high school, but my dad said, you know, unless you're going to give him a, a million bucks, he's not going. Right. And nobody at that time was willing to do that. Um, if you go to junior college, you can be drafted after your first year, your second year. No kidding. And then if you don't get drafted or you don't get drafted high enough, you can go to your to a full, you know, four-year school and then be eligible to be drafted after your third year or fourth year. Okay. So really So at the, that time though you were you were planning on doing your senior year. No, I wasn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was gonna go like in the third round. I wish people could see your yeah. smile right there. Like, nope, nope. No, I was I was wanting to go play. Um I you know, I had done everything I needed to do in college. Okay. You know, I I Big Ten uh all Big Ten two two years, um, had broke the freshman record for home runs, the the all-time rec- single season record for home runs, and then, you know, had the career home run record for after my third year. So I was ready to go. Um, so that I got signed in the sixth round. Uh, Oakland A's, you know, notoriously are pretty cheap. So um, I, uh, I ended up going to Cape Cod League, um, Summer League, because they weren't going to give me what I wanted. Oh, yeah? And I tore it up out there. So then they came back and said, okay, okay, we'll give you that. And uh, so I signed, went from from there to uh, Medford, Oregon, A's, which was short, short season A-ball. Um, within a month, I was tearing it up, and they moved me to high A-ball, Modesto, California. Um, I did well there. The next year, they kept me there for the whole year. The following year, I went to Huntsville, Alabama for double A, was there the whole year. Um, all-star in both both teams uh, wow. so I, I did well there I, I think in in a ball I won the most valuable player at the all-star game 
Um, this was all part of the A's organization. Yeah, that's all the A's. Whole time. Okay. Yeah, and then my my next year I went to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. So my third full year, I was already in AAA, which is is really good. Um, and I had a really good year. I hit uh, twenty home runs in the regular season, ninety something RBIs. Um, and then I let us. I was kind of hoping that September first they'd call me up, but we were in the playoffs, and so I was like. We, all right, well, if we're here, we might as well win it, right. you know. And so I went off. I hit six home runs in the playoffs. Had uh, So I ended up with 26 home runs. Um, and we, we won it. <clears throat> like other guys in the league at that time were Big Poppy. He was he was like him and I and uh, Todd Walker were like three people that had the most RBIs. Okay. And probably the, some Bill Miller was in the league. There were some big names in that league right. that year. Um, so, so, so we won it on September 12th. 1996 two in the morning i get back because we're celebrating you know and i wasn't a big drinker or anything um but after that i figured well you know i'm probably not going to get called up now um it's too late and uh so i I go back to my hotel at like two in the morning because i had given up my apartment not thinking that we'd make the playoffs Mm -hmm. and uh i got five suitcases there and i get a call and it's i I think it's somebody acting like my manager, Gary Jones. <laughs> like he's like, hey, Spees, <laughs> this is Jonesy. Hey, man, pack your bags, going to the show. I'm like, my bags are already packed, and Acre knocked this off, you know? And yeah. he's like, no, man, this is Jonesy. Really? We're going, <laughs> we're, congratulations, man, you're going to Cleveland tomorrow, or tonight, today. And I'm like, really? And uh, <laughs> If you guys man, hear noise, it's, it's my dogs. Scott's dog hanging out with us today. <laughs> um, so I, I go, holy cow. So I called my parents. I called I called my high school coaches. Um, of course, called my wife at the time. She was back home. Um, she she might, I'm trying to remember, she was back home trying to get her master's in um, speech pathology. And uh, um, so anyway, I called everybody. And, and then it set, out, it set in on me that it's uh, Friday the 13th. Now, so September 13th, I got called up. <laughs> I had to go get my bags. Um, I had a flight like at 9 in the morning. By the time I got to the clubhouse and, um, you know, packed the bags, got a taxi. It was an hour to the Edmonton airport. I had to go through customs. I get on a little prop plane. Um, it's thunderstorming all the way to Cleveland. And uh, so I get to Cleveland, and I walk. I, I, I get to the park. I don't know how to get in. Um you know, I finally get my way to the clubhouse with all these bags and stuff. I'm worn out, no sleep. And they give me number 13. On Friday the 13th. <laughs> On Friday the 13th. I was in the lineup playing third against the Indians, who was an incredible team, um, like an all-star team at the time. And and uh, we ended up getting rained out. I begged for 21. Um, I, I love anything seven, so anything divisible by seven has a seven in it. adds up to seven, okay. whatever. Um, so 21 was available. I got 21, um, played the second game of a doubleheader. Um, that's where I asked McGuire, Mark McGuire, I said, hey, uh, are you got any tips? He goes, uh, from home to, to the pitcher's mound is 60 feet, 6 inches, and from home to first is 90 feet. I said, what's that mean? He said, it's, it's the same game. You know how to play it. Just right. play it, you know. And so I got to hit my first at bat. I, after the inning, he gives me my glove, and he goes, uh, he says, 
you know, nice hit, kid. And I said, thanks. And he goes, nowhere to go but down now. <laughs> like, first to bat in the <laughs> Right. I'm hitting a thousand. Right? That's so, awesome. Yeah. So you, you obviously, I mean, this has got to be a whirlwind, right? Like, yeah. boom, here you are. You're from this little town. I mean, I consider our town little. Yeah. A tiny little farming town. You get thrown into all these different leagues. You get called to California. And I know you've played with other teams, but one of the things that I love about you is your your we talked about this before we started recording your your realness about your your life and the the path you've gone down um because i think people hear wow mlb star you know you won you got two world series rings sitting out yeah. here um it wasn't always uh exciting right for you i mean maybe <laughs> exciting but it wasn't always it wasn't always pretty it wasn't always pretty yeah yeah like you said i you know i went from oakland played there three years went to the angels played there four years won the world series 2002 had a huge home run Form in game six that turned the whole thing around for us. Um, went from there to Seattle um, where I got hurt um, for two, I got hurt with two weeks ago in spring training. And <clears throat> that's where things started, like I'd say on the downhill sl- slide. Um, so I, like I said before, I, was, I wasn't a big drinker. Um, I had never seen a drug till I was 30, 33 and a half, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I got hurt in spring training. I just signed a three-year deal with a four-year extension. Uh, 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 not extension, but uh, basically uh, um, where they can pick, either pick it up or an option is what okay. I meant. Um, and, th- and then with a buyout. So I had a lot of guaranteed money coming my way, which was, was cool because it was the first time in my life I've ever had like a multi-year deal. Right. <laughs> I worked for year to year. And uh, I got hurt. They told me... At that time, they told me I might not walk again. I might not play again. And I'm wow. thinking, man, I've worked my butt off this whole time. I've never had any fun. I've been dedicated to the sport, you know. And and I'm I'm a, a Christian, and so um, I had some really good guys around me in Anaheim, and guys that kind of kept me accountable, mm-hmm. um, you know, like Tim Salmon and Garrett Anderson, Orlando Palmero, David Eckstein. Um, some of those guys like that. And then with Seattle, I really hadn't got a chance to know anybody. And so I was, you know, here I'm not playing. Um, I'm going from doctor to doctor, seeing if anybody will say I can play. Finally, after like six doctors, I got a guy that says, well, I think your spinal cord's thick enough. Even if it, you, you know, push more fluid into it, I don't think that you're going to go uh, paralyzed, you know. So as long as you can handle the pain, I think you can play. Well, it's the wrong thing to say to me. So I kept trying to play. Um, I kept trying to fit in with the guys, and I'd go out and drink and stuff. Mm-hmm. And and then I, I kind of got into, like, a little rhythm of that. And eventually, um, you know, I, I started making bad decisions. I, I ended up, um, you know, having an affair and uh, ended up, you know, going through a divorce from my high school sweetheart, which was, you know, horrible thing I should have never done um and then from there um I you know I already made the bad choice and let everybody down and so then I just kept making more and more bad choices yeah I never really um had a good season on my two years there in in Seattle all I did was basically play and then go out and drink at a club or something with her and um you know it was all about uh, what kind of jeans or suit i had or you know you know wearing the world series ring all which i 
I very rarely wear normally, but all of a sudden I'm wearing it around. I'm wearing Rolexes, you know. I'm driving, uh, you know, BMWs and right. uh, old old cars and um, Mercedes and stuff like that. And so anyway, um, I I got a second chance with the Cardinals. The the, the Mariners released me. Um, the Cardinals picked me up and. Uh, you know, the first year I was really kind of, I thought that I wasn't going to play again. So I was really concentrating, um, even though I was still going out and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and we ended up winning the World Series. I had a great year. Um, but after that, then it was like, I'm going to, I'm, we're going to start having fun. And that's when I got kind of right around, when I got released, I got exposed to cocaine. Um, that would have been like November of 2005, somewhere in there. I didn't really have a problem with it until pretty much, uh, I would say I started having a problem with it <clears throat> towards the end of 2006 um, and then going into 2007. Okay. And then it got bad probably about three months into the season. And um, I didn't know what to do with it, you know. Um, I w- I'm not the only guy that was, you know, in baseball that had had done it, but <clears throat> I, was, I was a guy that, like, I've got an addictive personality. And so when I tried it, like, you know, and this is why I try to like tell my kids and stuff, like it was fun when I first tried it. And then it became like the devil, you know, Mm -hmm. it was just like my whole day was thought about getting it or drinking and trying to stay balanced, you know, like get up for a game and then get down after the game, you know, and um, I wasn't getting much sleep. And so I finally went to the Cardinals and told them and, they told me that they'd keep a secret, but somehow it leaked out and it was all over the media. And so I'm going to rehabs and stuff and, and I like cut off my famous soul patch and, um, (laughs) but people still recognize me. So I didn't want to be honest at these things. And so, you know, it was like, I didn't know. I thought you went and you were cured. So I went and I was still drinking at the time. They said, you don't, you can't drink, you know, you're powerless over alcohol. And to me, I'm like, uh, I'm not powerless over anything, right? You know, so that's the first step in AA. And if if I if I if I can't say that I'm powerless over alcohol and that my life has become come unmanageable, then it's going to be hard for me to follow the program. Right. And uh, for me, I was like, everybody told me I couldn't be a major leaguer. Everybody told me I couldn't make a CD with my band. Everybody told me all these things I couldn't do, and I always proved them wrong. I'll prove them wrong. This is for weak people, you know. And so I struggled with that. Um, so this, this was still while you were with the Cardinals. The Cardinals, yeah, okay. yeah. So 2007. Um, so I was kind of now instead of battling this, you know, where most people do it kind of in secret, right? Um, and that's kind of what the Cardinals did. Somehow it leaked out. Tony Larusa and Jockety were really upset that it leaked out. Um, you know, it, it was really hard for me at that time because I never, I didn't know what I was dealing with. I'd never had anything like that. Nobody in my family had dealt with it. I was actually the dare guy, like I, <laughs> the angels. Like when I was in high school, I went and talked to the grade schools about right. staying away from drugs and alcohol. Um, I did that my whole career. And, uh, you know, I remember um, having dare cards made of me in Anaheim, you know, by the dare car and the dare dogs, you know, no <laughs> the drug dogs and, 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 it's crazy. I, I hung around rock stars all the time. None of them ever had it in front of me. Um, I didn't even know if they were doing it. I had no idea because right. everybody knew I was 
innocent, mm-hmm. you know, an innocent kid from from middle nowhere, yeah. and they wanted to keep me that way. And later, I've I've talked to a lot of bands, and they said, "Yeah, we always wanted to keep you away from it because we knew you were fine." And and uh, he goes, "So then, when it happened to you, it was a shock." And I think it was a huge shock. So I, you know, I I dealt with that that year, um, and then I I thought, okay, I went there for three weeks or four weeks or whatever, twenty eight days, and I came back, and the and the first day I came back. Larusa had me in the lineup against the Cubs. It's facing Zambrano, who was a heck of a pitcher. I went, I went one for three off him, I think. So I thought, oh, okay, I'm, ba- I'm, I'm done. I'm right. fixed, you know. So now I just got to stay away from cocaine. And <clears throat> the problem was, my drinking now wasn't curbed. Mm-hmm. So I'd still drink, and then if somebody had some, or you know, if some, you know, if I started getting crazy, I, I could call somebody and get it, and. I had a lot of money, yeah. and so it became, you know, I, I started having a problem with it again, and then in the offseason, I started getting tested um, by Major League Baseball, so I felt like I was back on the streak, although I was, they never said you can't drink, right. so I kept drinking. Because you never saw that as the issue? No, I never saw that as an issue. I, th- I thought it was, you know, everybody, I mean, everybody in baseball drinks. Not everybody, but the majority of people drink. I mean, it's in our clubhouses, and yeah. it's on the planes, and um, it's almost like the thing to do, right. you know. And I think a lot of people do it because we play late-night games. We're all revved up. We need to get to bed because mm-hmm. we need to play. You know, you're playing with spring training and, and playoffs. You know, sometimes you're playing 220 games in, in about 250, 60 days. Right. So – I mean, it's it's a tough it's a tough gig, and on those off days, most of the time you're flying across country. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so it, it was it was it was rough on me, you know, and and uh, I kept trying to battle it. I ended up um, getting in a, a wreck um, in California, and thank God I didn't hurt anybody. Um, for me, I didn't think I was drunk, but I'm sure I was over the legal limit. Yeah, um, and. The Cardinals released me, and then from there on out, like I, I tried to pick up with the the Braves, and I was all set to get called up with the Braves. I went to AAA, and uh, me and my second wife started fighting, and I wasn't being able to see my kids like normal because it's only four hours from Morris to St. Louis, right. and I just said, that's it, I'm done. And I, I before I even got called up, I just you walked, I walked, yeah, and. uh and then it was on. Then it was like, I came back here, and I'm, you know, in the middle of 48 acres and, <laughs> and trees, and I don't really know many people anymore, you know, or I've, they've changed a lot. I've yeah. changed a lot, so I kind of isolated. I was going through a divorce on and off for you know the next two years. Um, I went, and, I I went and tried to play. Um, independent ball end of 2009 and did well. I think I went three for four my first game with the home run. Um, and then the next year I went to Dominican and, and was in the World Series there. Um, we lost in game nine because they played not – you got to win. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You got to win five down there. And we would have won in seven, but we lost in nine. Um, and then I went and played in Newark, uh, New Jersey, under Tim Rock Reigns okay. and Ron Karkovice. Um and and I was set to uh, go with the uh, with the Marlins, but I, I came home after the All Star break. I hit a home run on July Fourth, 
um, which was our last game before the All-Star break. I came home and saw Tyler, my oldest son, playing in, like, Jacksonville, um, Illinois, or Jackson, I think it's Jacksonville. Um, and I said, man, I haven't got to see him play at all. Yeah. And it's not fair to him, so I just said, that's it. And, and then I, then the problem was, you know, I was kind of used to that adrenaline, so now I'm searching for adrenaline stuff. And right. I got more into cocaine, more into, you know, driving four-wheelers around here crazy, like old, fast cars, um, anything to kind of get me adrenaline. After you left the league. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because you're used to playing in front of 60,000 people a night, and then right. all of a sudden you're like, there's nothing to do. And like, <laughs> yeah, and, and you're going to, you know, uh, clubs and the best restaurants and all this stuff. And so for a while there, like, I'd go to Chicago or I'd, I'd go to Aruba or go to Vegas, and and it was it was crazy. And I kind of burned through a bunch of money, just crazy spending. And, um, you know, it was, it was unfortunate. It was, I, I call it the, my detour. <laughs> I, I, love, I was going to bring that up because I know you mentioned that to me before. We've had yeah. a conversation about that, and I think that's an awesome an awesome way to, to say it. Like, that, yeah. this was your detour in life. Yeah, it was a, it was an off road <laughs> detour, right. sometimes off the cliff, um, you know. And, and uh, like I said, I I'm a Christian, and so I you know I believe in uh, letting God steer. And every time I'd need him, I'd call him and say, "Hey, get me back on the road." He'd get me back on the road. I'd finally I'd be okay. Then I'd say, "Okay, I'm gonna steer again." My turn. Right <laughs> off the road, and so that lasted. I you know it was a 12 13 year detour during that time I went to rehab 12 times I had you know uh, times of sobriety where I'd have you know a, a year 9 months 10 months so it was off and on but I call I call that time like dry drunk because even though I wasn't drinking and or using I wasn't like dealing with some of the issues I needed to deal with you know I had a lot of guilt and shame that I wasn't you know, I was letting kind of rule me. And so I I basically finally had to, you know, uh, turn to God and turn to a sponsor in AA and start working work the 12-step program and, and you know, going out and making amends to people that I've hurt. And, you know, once I got through that, then it was like this weight was lifted off my right. my shoulders. But it still was tough. You know, I, I, I had, um, you know, illnesses where, you know, my li- they keep telling me, I, you know, I'd make jokes, stuff like I got too much because I got so addicted. Even when I kicked the cocaine stuff, yeah. I still was drinking sometimes a gallon of vodka a day. Wow. And I'd have it with me constantly, no matter what. If I drove, it was just I needed it because otherwise I'd shake. Yeah. And if I shook, I'd, I'd say I've got too much blood in my alcohol system. Uh, uh, you know, like, but see, this is, it, this is what <laughs> I love. That yeah. you, I mean, that you're so open and, and real about this. And I think people need to hear stories like this. I think everybody, whether it's not to the extreme of what you've been through in your life, everybody's been through something, right? Or some things. And, yeah. and the fact that you are so open to, to talk about it and vulnerable and just share your story, people need to hear stuff like this. You know, because especially, you know, people like me who are, are teachers and, and yeah. you know, haven't been in the, the limelight like you were. To, I mean, we see you guys as, as stars on TV, oh. you know, and to, to think yeah. that, wow, they've got it perfect. And it's a year that it wasn't, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's not perfect. I mean, I, I mean, the teachers are stars too, well, you know. So they, I, I, mean, I you can guys... say they are. Cause I'm not in the classroom right now. Yeah. They are, they're pretty amazing yeah. people. Yeah, absolutely. And what you do is is amazing too. 
Um, everybody has their roles in life. You know, we just happen to be the ones that are on TV and, yeah. you know, playing. But I think being open and honest, um, it, it didn't, it wasn't easy for me. But, you know, after dealing with stuff and realizing it's healing too. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing is that I knew, I know that it helps other people. Yeah. Um, I've just, as I've shared, I've just had people um, just start, you know, messaging me and texting me or, or stopping me on the street and say, hey, man, like you, you helped me realize I got an issue or, you know, my son's got an issue. We talk to him or, you know, my wife has got an issue or my husband's got an issue. And, you know, and it, what's amazing to me is and the reason I speak is because if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. Right. And, and I've seen that over and over. People that I would have had no idea had issues um, that have big issues, mm-hmm. you know, and and. And then what I try to tell people is, hey, man, you're human. You know, like this stuff is, is going to happen. A lot of people, you know, they think it's okay to, you know, maybe take extra pain pills, you right. know, because they're really hurting. But then they all of a sudden they're relying on it and they're they're an addict just like I was, yeah. you know. So, you know, there's a disease model for it. It was hard for me to understand that. I know that, um, you know, that I'm a. I'm an addictive personality. Like I, I like to practice. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like to collect cards. I like to collect Matchbox cars. <laughs> when hey, I was I, little, I, right there with you. Yeah, closets full. <laughs> exactly. So, like, whatever you know, I like to eat <laughs> um, too much. But um, I just wanted to let people know that hey, you know, there, there's help out there. You know, um, you're not alone. And the biggest thing. Two biggest things. One, I wanted kids to know, um, and young adults, and pretty much anybody, like this stuff is real. It's yeah. become it's become extremely dangerous with fentanyl. I mean, if I if this episode was happening when I was using, I don't think I'd be here right now. So right. I take that as like every every day is kind of like a bonus play for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, extra inning, huh? Yeah, extra <laughs> innings. Like I get free free life. You know. Um, so I'm grateful for that. And I just want the, the word to get out there. Like this stuff is not, that doesn't play anymore. It could be in pot. It could be in, uh, what you think is a prescription pill. Um, I just had a friend, uh, that lost his son, um, who took an Adderall, thought it was an Adderall and here it is a lethal dose of fentanyl. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all over the place. It's like a warfare. Um, but even if you if you don't get the fentanyl, this stuff is like the devil. It'll pull you down. It'll ruin your life. It'll ruin the lives of people around you, um, you know, and and then you're in this hole. And so the second part of that is I want to give people that are in that hole the hope that they can get out, Yeah. that, um, you know, life's not over, that you can, you know, so, like I thought, you know, I messed up relationships with my family, with my kids. You know, I thought, man, it's too late um, to, to – you know, to mend those, you know, broken relationships. And, and I said, you know, I still, my whole theory in life as a baseball player was, you know, I remember like um, when we were playing the Yankees in the first playoff game ever that I played in, and there was a ball hit to me and I, I missed it. It was a tough play. Jason Giambi hit it. It was a tough play. They gave it a base hit, but usually I catch that. Yeah. And and then the next batter hit a home run, like Soriano hit a three-run homer or something, and we ended up losing that first game, and it was a five-game series. And so uh, I went back to the hotel, and there was a message for me. And usually I have, like, a, a name like 
uh, Tyrone shoelace you or told, something. Yeah, <laughs> I was just telling someone that story because you told me that story, and I yeah. could not remember what the name was. Yeah. You had to do that though. Yeah, people yeah. Find out where you guys were staying. Right, and then they pester you all day. Tyrone shoelace. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I had like Maynard <laughs> James Keenan and all sorts of crazy <laughs> names, you know. Um, but I got this message, and it was this long message of a New York fan, you know, just like railing me and and he just yelling at me and saying you. Think you know you? I'm a Mets fan, and you blew it, you know, and you deserve to lose, and there's no chance you. And I was like, man, he's right, you know. And and then I sat in my bed and I said, wait a second, I still got a pen. I can rewrite, I can rewrite a, a, a better ending, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up the next day facing Pettit. My first at bat, I hit a home run. We end up hitting like three more. We end up beating them. We beat them the next two at home. All of a sudden, you know, we're just rolling. And and from there, I ended up with 19 RBIs, which broke the record, uh, which tied the record for the most RBIs in playoff history and hit the big home run in game six that mm-hmm. brought us back. So in life, I say that, you know, as long as we have a breath, a pen, basically, yeah. you can still write a happy ending. And so I kept I kept worrying about the, the past and what I did and all the things I did and how I hurt people. And instead of, Saying, hey, let's stop it now. And, and here's what I, I, you know, stop it now and, and you know, reach out to people. Get sober first, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I tell people, oh, I'm sober. I'm going to be sober, you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be great. It never happened again. Right. So the, the last time I did it, you know, I, I said that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell people. I'm going to show people. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did is I, I, I said, you know, after I'm not going to try to get my license back until I know that I'm sober. I'm not going to go out and do all, you know, try to mend bridges. I'm just going to let people come to me as they see me. The proof and, is in the and, actions, and, right? and so that's what I did. I, I just slowly started doing things, um, you know, trying to get out in public, mend broken relationships. And, and before you know it, you know, I had I was closer to my kids than I had been in a long time. Closer to my parents, closer to my sisters. That's um, awesome, man. Had men's broken relationships, and and you know I think part of the reason is because I came home here and I finally let some of my true friends, some of my close friends, back into my life, and and I I did a speech at my grade school and I said you know when you find your when you're lost go find your roots mm-hmm. because the people next to you probably know you better than you know yourself right. and they can help you find yourself. And that's, and that's what I did. That's awesome. So we talked before we started recording that I'm a huge space fanatic and you talked <laughs> about that. And um, I, one of my favorite phrases from NASA and like from history is, is the phrase failure is not an option, right? From back in the Apollo missions. Yeah. And I, I have in one of my keynotes that I talk about quite a bit is that, Failure, maybe failure is an option, but but failing has to be right. Like we have to fail; otherwise, yeah. we don't know what 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 we can fix. And I think you're you're living proof of that. Like yeah. failure hasn't been an option for you. You failed yeah. along the way, but you never let you never let it get to failure, right? Like because here right. you are, and and I think um, where we're sitting proves that. I mean, I I reconnect with you because of my kid, mm-hmm. and I think that's such a cool thing that you have going for you now. I mean, yes, you you were amazing on the diamond. You were amazing in that league, but you talk about teachers being the real heroes and whatnot. Like, I think you were made to be a teacher because <laughs> of what you're doing right now. Yeah. So Thanks. we're sitting in your training. Well, it was your training facility, right? It's still your training facility yeah. for a new age of, of athletes. So yeah. So tell people about how that came to be. Like, you went from these 
these high, high highs and the lowest of the yeah. lows and in between and fixed all that. You've been to these been to these relationships and now you're 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 teaching. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. It, you know, you, in baseball, you're going to fail. Right. You just got to know how to deal with it. You know, um, in ba- I always tell kids this, you know, if you're if you're failing 70 percent of the time, you're a Hall of Famer, <laughs> the major league level. <laughs> so awesome. you, you need to know how to deal with failure. And and not let that go. So I, you know, in life, I took a lot of things that I I did in baseball, and and um, you know, kind of used them in in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, like not dwelling on the negative, trying to stay positive all the time. You know, things like that. And so, um, yeah. So you know, I I I got um, totally sober. I've been sober f- uh, four and a half years now. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I I. Um, I had this facility here, and I had some people. They'd always been telling me, "Hey, you know, you should start a a, a clinic, you know, and and uh, a baseball facility." And I said, "Ah, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea." And I just would never do it. And finally, I'm like, "You know what? Let's let's do it." So See what happens. I had a couple friends that they brought their kids in, and and uh, you know, things just started clicking back in my head, you know. Because I'd played so long, and my dad had taught me so much right. um, that I just started, you know, one thing started falling after another, and then word of mouth spread, and and before you know it, you know, I'm going from like four kids a week to you know sometimes twenty kids, in a, you know, twenty five. You said you know? you've got like a hundred students over the, I mean, it's, over time, right? It's probably somewhere around, yeah, it's probably somewhere right around there. Um, you know, sometimes I have, you know. Uh, I'll say that I have one kid, but it's usually like sometimes it'll be three brothers or something, oh, yeah. you know. Um, well, I so, think that the coolest part about this is and I know my son's still kind of young, so I haven't, I haven't told him your whole story. But yeah. some of these high school kids that you work with, I mean, yeah. they know your story, right? Like they, yeah. they've oh, yeah. heard about it. They've heard about yeah. your your highs, your lows. And, and to to see that, I mean, they get to walk through that door and train with a, an MLB star, yeah. you know, like. Yeah, and and to hear I, some of the things that I've I've sat and watched and listened to you teach my kid, like yeah. things that I I mean we play baseball all the time, we play catch, but yeah. things that I never would have thought to teach him, you know, yeah. like so I think I think that's such a powerful tool that you have, and and what an amazing testament to the fact that you didn't fail, like yeah you oh. had bumps, but thank you, failure was definitely not an option for you because you're showing it. Yeah, well I appreciate that, you know I I basically took what I had and I, I just used that, you know, I, God gave me talent. God gave me, um, you know, the people around me that taught me, I had great teammates. I took what I learned from them, from my dad, from my grandpa. And, uh, and what I say is I, I'm, I'm not just here to teach baseball. That's why I try to keep it to like one-on-one, mm-hmm. you know, I'll do, I'll do a few things with one-on-six or one-on-five, but the most time it's one on one, and and I like most of the time I like the parents here too because I feel like I'm investing in each kid and each parent. Um, I've learned so much, <laughs> that, and that's that I great. Would have thought to teach him. Yeah, and and you know I throw a lot out there. You know I usually I talk about the mental game. I talk about approach. I talk about failure. I, I talk about staying positive. You know the subconscious and conscious mind, things like that. Um, you know clear keys, um, triggers. Uh, you know, all these kind of things, um, you know, alter egos like my pure crush and, and things like that. But I, I, I throw it out there because I know the parents are going to catch a lot of it mm-hmm. and they can use it for themselves. And then they, you know, there's some parents that don't realize how hard it is. So like when you're up there, 
um, you know, when the kid's up there and they're screaming like all these different things at them, you know, yeah. and the kid's up there now thinking about stuff consciously and here's the pitch and he's frozen. Right. You know, so it, it, it you know, informs the parents. It, it The kids might not get it all, but I usually say try to pick two or three things yep. to work on, you know, each week. And I always tell them I'm not a miracle worker. Like you can't come <laughs> here and, you know, once a week and expect to get, you'll get better, but expect to get really good is when you're going to work on your own. And yep. that's probably where I get, I got the most out of, you know, my practices were by myself um, off the tee and, you know, in front of a mirror. Um, I became my own best hitting coach. Right. And so that, you know, as, as far as, you know, me getting the chance, you know, it's a blessing for me, you know, to go from really down in the gutter, um, mm -hmm. literally, to um, being able to spend time with, with parents and kids and, and not only teach them about baseball, but teach them about life. You know, I had a, uh, a dad the other day, his son's going into high school, and he says, you know, Scott, he said, probably, you know, three, four, five years ago, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have wanted my kid around you, to be really? honest, you mm -hmm. know, and he, and he says, and I, and I knew you growing up, you know, and um, I played against him and his brother, and he goes, but now, man, he goes, I, I love that my kid's learning from you. He goes, but I want you to talk, talk to him about, you know, alcohol and, okay. and drugs. Yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> so, yeah, the dogs are going <laughs> to, awesome. um, and so I, I started talking to him, and he goes, okay, so, you know, he's my son. He's going to be, there's probably going to be things he doesn't want to talk to me about. Right. Is it okay if he calls you or if he's in trouble, come knock on the, your door? I said, anytime, anytime. Amazing, so, I mean, it's pretty cool. Like, and that's why I, I want to give people hope because they think that they can't come back into a community that's, you know, looked at them in, in a certain way and do good things, but you can, you yeah. know, you just have to stay the, you know, get sober, get over the things that you're dealing with because you're no good to anybody if you're not, right. you know, and you can't lie. People will know if you're lying. <laughs> you know, I did that for a long time saying, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. But I wasn't, you know? Yeah. And so get right, you know, reach out to people, get in groups, um, be open and honest in those groups because that'll, he that'll help you heal, you know, get counseling. Mm -hmm. I had, t you know, hundreds of sessions of counseling where, where I worked on stuff, um, even with, you know, family members and things like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, you know, I always say get to church. That helps me. I, you know, I'm very involved with my church. I lead a life group now um, on Monday nights and, and I've been involved with the men's group. Um, and, you know, for me that, uh, like in AA, they talk about a higher power. You know, my my higher power is Jesus Christ, and so I I rely on Him. I pray often. Um, I I pray without ceasing. <laughs> you know, pretty much. Like I'm constantly praying, and uh -huh. and, it, and it works. Yeah. And and one of the reasons I I don't want to drink or or use or anything anymore is because I don't want that communication to be, uh, I call it the tinfoil hat. I don't want that tinfoil hat between <laughs> me and God anymore. I like want, clouded, uh, huh? yeah, I want a, a direct line of communication that's unclouded, yeah. Well, I think what you just said sums it up perfectly because this, and I'm glad you mentioned the fact that you, you blew a lot of money because I think people will listen to this and they go, well, yeah, it was easy for him, right? It was easy. He, he was a millionaire. And, yeah. and, and it, to hear you, I mean, you're just as real as the next guy, right? Like, oh, yeah. You're, you're sitting here in your hometown we're not sitting in some high rise in a, in a big city, right? Yeah. Like we're, we're sitting in your hometown and 
everybody has something they're going through and yeah. to think of it in, in the most positive way and, and get the help or ask for help or yeah. whatever it is, whether it's drugs, alcohol, or just life in general that's bringing you down, find those people that, that bring you up. And that's absolutely that's surround it, people, places, and things are what they say in, in AA. You know, get away from the people that are bringing you down, surround yourself with good moral people um, that'll build you up. You know, get away from the places that are that are bad for you and go to places that are good for you. Yeah. And things get rid of the things that are bad for you. Right. And bring the things around that are good for you. You know, for me, you know, I got rid of a lot of people. I got dogs. <laughs> I got <laughs> my true awesome. friends. I went back <laughs> to family. So my priorities were screwed up. You know, and, and I think a lot of people in life get so caught up in their career. And I was one of those guys. My God was pretty much baseball. Mm-hmm. And and so everything revolved around baseball. And then it was, you know, if I had time for my family, then I'd spend some time with my family. If I had time for God after that, I'd spend some time with God. But it was baseball. And, and, and yeah. And, and now, you know, it's God first, it's family second, it's friends next. And then, you know, down the line, me. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I will splurge on some pizza and ice cream here and there. <laughs> but, yeah, I, you know, I started with, I mean, when I restarted, I, I, I had my property. Thank God my, my parents helped me save it. Otherwise, I would have blew that, blown that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I drive around in a 2001 Lincoln Town car. I, you know, I, I don't have much money. I'm pretty much month-to-month paying bills. And, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm, I've had millions. You know, I, yeah. I made close to $25 million in my career. Um, the good thing is... My my kids are taken care of. Um, yeah. You know my my three kids are ones at Williams uh, College, ones at University of Illinois, and ones uh, my daughter's heading to University of Chicago yeah. here. Well, she actually was she got there on the twentieth uh, September. So, you know my kids are taken care of. My ex wife is taken care of, um, and and now I'm just rebuilding. But I'm happier now than than I was when I had the millions. Yeah, so, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. What's it like for for your son at U of I? Does he see your name on things, like in <laughs> yeah. trophy cases? He, well, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. So we went to a baseball game and there was a plaque yeah. like, behind home plate, and it, my dad actually went there for two years too. Okay, so we were both up there and we took a picture of it. That's and, awesome. Um, he doesn't like. He's not like a. He's into music. He's right. a drummer in a band, so he doesn't really. None of my kids really brag about it. They. They laugh at me like when we go to a game and I'll wear my two World Series rings. <laughs> and it's usually because I'm trying, you know, I'm getting free tickets. So right. I want them to know that I'm legitimate. But they'll they'll make fun of me and like my my daughter will be like, look, hi, I'm 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 former major World <laughs> Series winner. And she'll like you know, show her hand up as she's walking and and we kind of get a kick out of it. So um you know, I, I think they're they're proud of the fact that their dad and their grandpa played in the major leagues and won World Series, but you know they don't really see us as baseball players. They just you know. I think their their most proud moment is probably where you're at right now in your life too. I think so too, and they've they've said that. You know, I know that there's uh, things we're still working out. You know, mm-hmm. um, but like we are open and honest with each other, <laughs> and and I, you know I I because of what I went through, I I'm kind of like their cautionary tale. Yeah. Like I told them, hey, you try this, you could be dead. You you do this. Like you could be on a downward spiral, mm-hmm. you know. And I said, you saw what happened to me. Like, don't let that happen to you. And so they're all like, "Yep, um, we got it, Dad." So That's awesome. You never know. But I, the other thing I told them is, if you do 
get into a situation, do not hide it. Like, come to me because I'll help you. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to sit there and say, you. I told you not to, you know. I'm going to say, okay, what's the next step? Let's try to get, you know, let's try to get you help. Let's, right. let's get this thing taken care of before it gets bad. That's amazing. All yeah. right, before we go, what was it like hitting that home run <laughs> in 2002? Yeah. <laughs> so they, so what's, what's cool is, you know, here in Morris, I told you about the two mounds in my backyard. At the end of every practice, I'm a switch hitter. My dad would say, okay, uh, you know, we're going to do World Series now. It's the bases loaded. You yeah, know. like you do with the kids. Yeah, yeah I love and, that. And I do it with the kids every, every, every session. So it's, you know, we'll usually do like, th- I would do three righty, three lefty. And it's, you know, uh, you know, World Series, uh, three, two count, two outs, bottom of the ninth, down one run, you know, what are you going to do? And, and so I'd do that, and my mom would be like, do it for the ring, Scott, you know, because my dad <laughs> had two rings, and I always told my sisters, you can have those two rings because I'm going to win my own. my own. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And so now flash forward to uh, – and I talk about the kids about, you know, visualization and, and situational hitting so that you – you always feel like you've already been there, you know, with your subconscious mind because it can't tell the difference between a real or imagined image. And so you can build confidence that way and stuff. So I'd done that so much in my life. When I got to the playoffs, I, I felt like I'd already been there a million times and yeah. I always did well in the playoffs. I think, I mean, in trip, in single A and in triple A, I, I was just incredibly dominant. And then in the big leagues, I had 25 RBIs in 26 career games. Yeah. Um, and I think I hit 600 something with runners in scoring position. So here we are, you know, uh, we had won, I think game two and three, and we're thinking we're going to run away with this thing. And, uh, all of a sudden we're down to elimination in game six. Yeah. Um, we're losing five, nothing going into the bottom of the seventh. Um, somebody makes, I can't remember who made the out. I don't know if it was, can't remember who who was hitting before gloss maybe uh garrett anderson or or somebody like that and uh so now we got one out we got russ ortiz who's been doing great on the mound for the giants and uh gloss gloss gets a hit fulmer gets a hit i'm getting ready to to face uh ortiz uh dusty baker comes out to the mound gives him the game ball which really made me mad um because then i thought these guys think it's over you know and we had the rally monkey in Anaheim, which was our secret weapon. Like in the seventh inning, we'd, we'd have this rally monkey on the scoreboard and the fans would go crazy. Yeah. I think we had like 48 comeback wins that year. Wow. And so I knew if I get something started. So and right off the bat, I'm, I'm one and two. But each time I just kept, you know, resetting and, and you know, using my clear keys and getting anything negative out of my mind and I, I just knew that he was still in trouble if he if he threw it over the plate I kept following pitches off uh, on the eighth pitch he kept throwing like 96 97 high and away following him off following him off got to a 3-2 count on the eighth pitch he threw him down and in I, I I hit it on the barrel but it was low and I was so my swing was on the upswing I hit this usually my home runs I, I had like 122 with playoffs in my mm-hmm. career um, usually my home runs are like doubles, you know, yeah. they got out pretty quick. Um, it didn't go, you know, 400 feet past the fence, you right. know, maybe five to six rows back. This one was high and I knew it was going to be close. So it was like the natural scene out of the natural. Like 
I didn't hear any sound. Uh, it felt like I was running in slow motion, looking straight Just watching up. Watching that ball. Yeah, I'm watching the outfielder Reggie Sanders go back to the right field fence. You know, everybody's like standing up on the edge of their seat. I get it's so high. I get past first base. No kidding. Yeah, and I'm watching it, and boom, he hits the wall, and the ball goes over, and it was like. I, I pumped my fist and then it was like everything went to, you know, regular speed. Noise. And the, yeah, it was the loudest noise I ever heard in my life. I've, I felt I had such a huge jolt of a, adrenaline that I felt like I was literally four feet off the ground as I was running the bases. I got to home plate, gave them high fives, got in the dugout, you know, everybody's going crazy. And it made it five three, but you just, it was an instant turning of the energy in the yeah. stadium. And I could just see it in the guy's eyes. And, and uh, you know, I, I ended up saying, hey, then my next at-bat might be huge. And I talked to the kids about it. You can't be too high or too low. And so I went and did some breathing techniques to get my, my heart rate back down so I could be ready for my next at-bat. By the time I came up again, we were up 6-5 in the bottom of the eighth. And uh, they intentionally walked me. <laughs> and we ended up we ended up holding on to win it six five, and then the next day we we end up winning game uh, seven four to one. Uh, I scored the first run, I got walked, and then scored on a double by Benji Molina. So it was it was a it was an amazing, amazing amazing experience. But it's like when that happened, I had all these flashbacks to be in the backyard with my dad. That's pretty you know? cool. Like yeah, and it, it was just like all that. And then my dad, you know, were they was, there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had I had like forty eight people. I okay. spent I spent a ton of money. <laughs> to bring I mean, family, family and friends. like yeah. I boy, I can't remember how much fifty thousand bucks or something on tickets and wow. hotel rooms and buses and airplane. Yeah. So it was like a lot of people from Morris. You know, coaches, um, family members, friends, um, and then a lot of people bought their own stuff yeah. that came out. So it was. Uh, it was it was an amazing experience, and I felt like you know what I'm I'm gonna make more money from being in the World Series and winning it, so why not share it with everybody? And uh, yeah, it was it was just incredible. Um, something, and when that last out was made, I thought you know nobody can ever take this away. That banner is always gonna be um, up there flying, and and yeah. that ring will always be. You know, in it's my possession. Awesome yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the cool thing is both of them match. They're both red. There right? you go. That's, that's true. You can wear them. And not, not <laughs> yeah. My dad only has National League rings. I have an American <laughs> League and a National League. That's awesome, man. All right. Well, I really, really appreciate you sharing your story, being real. Um, yeah. I think it's so important for anyone listening to to hear that, that you know, it's okay to, to have those failing moments. Yeah. But don't ever let it get to failure. You got to keep pushing. Yeah, it's not how it's not how many times you fail. It's how many times you get up, and it's yep. how you end. You know, and like I said, as long as you got a breath, you you still got a pen. You can write the great ending. I like that, man. All right, thank you so much. You got. Thanks for having me. Wow. I mean, is that not one of the coolest stories you've heard? To go from this the small town to the big leagues, and then fight so many inner demons, but come out on top. Uh, so. You need to follow Scott's story. If you're not, take it to heart. And uh, I'm sure you all have someone in your life that can use a story like that. So please like, share, and rate this episode so others can find it. Uh, don't forget to head to sandhillcoffee.com. Use your promo code SCHOOL10. That's S-C-H-O-O-L-10. And I will see you all on the next episode of On My Way to School. School.